dog is sick again. What else is new? <laughs> well, actually, there happens to be a lot that's new, but uh, yeah, that kind of stinks. You just took him to the vet uh, not too long ago, right? We did, yeah. Right before we went out to California for VidCon, we had to rush him to the vet because he woke up in an unbelievable amount of pain. And I think the day before, he tried to jump off the bed, and they think he may have slipped a disc in his neck. That issue seems to be uh, improving a little bit, but now apparently I was just told by my wife that he completely wet the couch that he was sitting on twice in the matter of like about an hour, and he never does that. So I'm thinking that there's something else going on that I don't know if maybe he's reacting to the meds that he's on or just, I don't know, he's always sick, so who knows. Gotcha. Now, do they have a doggy chiropractor you can send him to, or doggy depends you could give him? Like, let's say it is a medication issue. Um, do they have, like, a doggy diaper that you can put him on or, or put on him, I guess? They do, and we have had that on him before. He doesn't like it very much, as you can imagine. But they do have well, I, things like that if we personally, have Personally, I hate wearing diapers. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> so anyway, this is the 25th episode of the We Geeks podcast. I said it slowly there for a second because I was just making sure I was getting it right. Uh, I'm Nathaniel Dodds, and he's Howard Pinsky. Um, and this is our little podcast called We Geeks Podcast. Uh, it kind of uh, took us about 20 minutes to come up with that name, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sure did. Um, anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Tutvid. That's T-U-T-V-I-D. Or you can follow Howard on Twitter at Iceflow Studios. You can also follow the podcast. Yes, you can follow us on SoundCloud, which is, I think, the best place to follow us. It's super simple, and you can comment directly in line as we're talking. And actually, last week, your solo episode, Peter Stacks, or Peter Stocks, he follows me on Twitter. I've seen him comment and stuff. From from the Netherlands. Yes, he was commenting up a storm on last week's episode, which is amazing, because we're able to go in there and Mm. reply to some comments. I replied to one of them, but... I didn't really, um, I mean, it was your episode, so, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Peter and I interact on a lot of stuff, like on Twitter and I feel like Facebook as well as uh, Instagram and just everywhere. Uh, There's a special place in my heart, I feel, for Dutch folk in general because orange is my favorite color and orange is such a prevalent thing in Mm. Dutch society. So I I feel like there's a natural affinity there. Um, Interesting. But, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and you can also follow us on iTunes. There's no fancy URL for that. I don't know if I gave the SoundCloud URL, but it's soundcloud.com slash wegeeks, which you can also find the iTunes URL over there as well. And every week we do shout out our Patreon supporters and and our iTunes reviews, but we haven't had any yet. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, and a big shout out to our Patreon supporters. This week we have Michael, Caleb, Steve, actually Steve, I just met in California. We had, we he sat down with my wife and I. We talked hockey and design and all that stuff. You're a really cool guy. That's super uh, sweet. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Genevieve, Roberto, Jordan, and Craig. So thank you so much for your support. It really helps us keep this podcast going. And if you love our podcast, head over to Patreon.com/slash. We geeks, you can tip us a dollar, three dollars, five dollars per month, whatever you can afford. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting too. I spent some time, well, time on Twitter. It 
30 seconds talking to Roberto. I think it was this week. I wonder if it was last week. I think it was this week. Um, but I went and checked out. He has a YouTube channel and he has like a bunch of like tech and design related stuff. Um, definitely worth checking out. I think his name is Roberto Blake. If yes. I'm thinking correctly. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess Roberto, since you are a regular on the podcast, just tweet at me like your website and just like that it got mentioned on the podcast and I'll make sure I retweet it or something uh, just to get the link out there. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely seems like a cool dude and definitely somebody that's out there getting it done. I always see him commenting on like, you know, our videos and like Gary Vaynerchuk videos and Jared Poland from those photo videos and just all this different stuff all over the web. So he gets himself out there and he's a very active contributor and there's something about that that I respect. You know, instead of just being a taker and somebody who's taking content that's being given to you for free, the one way you can pay creators back is by interacting or sharing the content that you're listening to or watching. One of the it's one of the best things you can do in fact. Um uh, so, you know, it's really cool to to see somebody specifically like I said like Roberto who's very he seems to make a point of just, you know, bam, interact. You know what I mean? Michael's very much that way too. Another one of the Patreon supporters. He always hits us up every week on Twitter after the podcast. So stuff like that is just really appreciated. You know, one interaction is better than no interactions. Um, and you never know how that one interaction is going to change you. You know what I mean? You tweet to that that famous person never expecting, a, you know, a sit down. But hey, you might just get that sit down uh, that you never expected. So it's really, really cool to see stuff like that. Um, and much, much appreciated as well. Yeah, and you never know. We could have a follower who loves our podcast and they, you know, tweet our latest episode and maybe that person is followed by Will Wheaton for some reason and Will checks out our episode and he retweets it and then bam, it just goes crazy viral, which would be amazing, unlikely, but amazing. But if you, you know, again, if you really love our podcast, just share it. Share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, tell your grandmother about it, maybe she'll like it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Uh, and also, one last thing before we jump into news and stuff. Uh, the podcast article URL, anything that we talk about today, you can check it out over on my website, specifically tutvid.com slash wegeeks slash episode 25. And that's the numerical or the number 25 uh, in that URL. So uh, let's talk about VidCon, man. You're back from VidCon. I didn't have you last week here on the podcast. <laughs> we did have the little over-the-phone segment, which is a little different. I thought it was kind of fun just like from a production standpoint. It was very different, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean what's going on? I saw Michelle, your wife, for those of you that aren't aware, um, said something about the very airplane that you guys took to uh, L.A. from Colorado the next day was grounded or had to make an emergency landing because of some malfunctioning something or that. Like what's the scoop from that airplane trip out to the airplane trip back? Like give me, give us all – uh, a summary. I, I haven't talked to you at all about it, in fact, since you've been back. So I would love to hear, you know, what all went down. Yeah. So I am back in HD audio quality. I, yeah. I was listening to last week's podcast where you soloed it, which was great, by the way. Uh, but my it. audio quality was just not. I mean, it's an iPhone. But, but it so, still you know. it had that like very talk show host kind of, you know, it did, which was kind of cool. Right. Exactly. So we left for California from Denver last Tuesday and the day before we actually was the day that we rushed our dog to the hospital or the vet with the neck issue so a lot was going on so our flight was supposed to be at 6 30 in the morning the next day and I was supposed to be at the full screen office by 10 o'clock in the morning so our flight was supposed to land I think at 8 30 by the time we get our luggage and all that stuff 10 o'clock and I had a bunch of meetings that day 
So we went to sleep, I would say probably around 9.30 the night before. I put my phone on Do Not, do not Disturb because I definitely did not want to be woken up. I wake up the next morning, check my phone. I have some 800 number that called me at 11.30 the night before. Solicitor. So I, what was that? Solicitor. That's what I thought. I thought it was just some <laughs> idiot calling me that I don't want to answer. So I Google the number. Turns out to be American Airlines. Our flight had been canceled. Uh-oh. They, yeah, so I call them up. I'm, you know, it's four in the morning. I'm not very happy. They claim it was canceled because of weather. Wait, they hold claim- on. Can we just do a little timeout? So you're yes. trying to, te- you expect me to believe that a very important flight got canceled and you got word of it at four in the morning and you weren't happy? <laughs> sir, no, no, no. sir, how dare you? <laughs> so, yeah, not very happy. So they claim it was weather. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe that for one second. Because the weather in Denver was perfectly fine. And they say it was a little bit foggy in Los Angeles. First of all, a little bit of fog usually doesn't ground airplanes. Right. And there were other flights, American airline flights and other airline flights that were landing at that exact same time and around that time in Los Angeles. And and the thing that really bothers me is that apparently they canceled that flight 10.30 or 11.30 the night before how would they know that there's fog the next morning in Los Angeles? Witchcraft. Yeah, it just it's it's very strange. So that bothered me. So what and it gets even worse. The only other flight that they can offer me was at 2:30 in the afternoon that connected in Phoenix that Oof. would land around six o'clock at night. That's which almost completely an insult. It really is, and it defeats the purpose of me being at the office at 10 o'clock for meetings. So, <laughs> Did they at least I, offer it to you for free or any kind of refund or anything like that? or is just They gave us a up? refund. Well, here's the thing. They gave us a refund for the... The, the initial flight. The initial flights, okay. which, which I think came to, between my wife and I, came to about $140. Ooh, but because we standards. had to book brand new flights, basically within the next hour, we had to pay $800 for new flights on United. Sheepers. Yeah, so it wasn't very fun. So that was that. We got to Los Angeles. We did the whole VidCon thing. And then on the way back, our flight was fine. We took the American Airlines flight back. This tiny little plane that flew into a thunderstorm. No fog? Oh, so, now, so the thunderstorm didn't stop them, but the, the fog. <laughs> Not at all. No, we flew into a thunderstorm in this tiny little plane. I thought I was going to die, but, you know, the pilot <laughs> knew what he was doing, apparently. So we landed fine. But here's the strange thing. The next day, there was an article on Mashable, and people were tweeting about this. The exact same flight number and the exact same route, Los Angeles to Denver, United Airlines or... American, I think. Oh, this is the American. Okay, was it the American or the United? Oh, I don't I know. It was remember. one of the ones that we were on the day before it happened. Um, they had to make an emergency landing because the cabin would not pressurize. So the the air things fell from the right. ceiling, whatever and, and, they're well, called. And, yeah, and whenever you're on the flight, you always see the attendants do the whole miming it out. And you're like, come <laughs> You never on. pay attention. Right. This is so I'm never going to need this. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then it, it happens, you're like, oh, crap. Hey, flight attendant, can you can you mind yeah, that really? again? <laughs> We'd like to see how to put our oxygen masks on before we die. Yeah. Oh. I th- actually, I think it was the United flight because when we were landing, it was making some really strange noises. And then I guess the next day, the, the same flight had that pressurization issue and people were breathing into this bag. Um, wow. That was kind of crazy. So we just missed that by a day. That would yeah, have been even... Say, that's, that's a prime example of right time, right place. Yeah, really. Right. And apparently people were taking selfies on the plane with breathing into these oxygen bags. Yeah, I mean, it would have made a good story. But yeah, 
So that's that. That's what my so that was fancy. that was the trip in and out of uh, L.A. Uh, VidCon was actually in Anaheim, which is sort of I mean it's technically it basically is L.A. but it's basically. like south of L.A. really. Um, so like, what was the deal? I mean, how how did it go? I know, like I said, we talked on the phone last week, um, but that was just Thursday that we had talked, um, and VidCon was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If I re- if I recall uh, mm-hmm. correctly, so what was the deal? I mean, what was what was some notable stuff? I guess if you can sum it up in just a, a minute or two. Honestly, there wasn't much notable stuff. I mean, I was working most of the time. I was helping out with the booth a little bit as much as I could. Full screen. It was booth. absolutely yeah, the full screen booth. It was absolutely crazy because we had some big YouTube stars at the booth from time to time, and there was just hundreds of teenagers running around screaming at their favorite YouTubers. I almost got run over at one point. Tried to I tried to take some pictures for full screen of one of the YouTubers coming off the stage after her performance and. I was just swamped with teenage girls and boys. It just was crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I caught up with old friends that I've known on YouTube forever, which was really nice. It's very, it's becoming more and more difficult because all these friends, or at least some of them, are now big YouTubers, and they stay at the VIP lounge, and they have to be escorted on and off the floor and to their panels. So it's very difficult to actually see these people. You can't just meet up on the VidCon floor because they would get swamped. Right. So we have to make like special meetings to actually see these people, which is crazy. Gotcha. But you know, it was a, it was an okay trip. Made some decent business contacts, but yeah. You met I Justine as well. I did. I, it, it's crazy to think that after, was it seven, eight years that we've been on YouTube doing our thing together, I've never met her in person. So she was at the Canon booth, and I just said, you know what? It's been seven years. I'm just going to wait there for about an hour, and I'm just going to say hello. And I did. I got a picture, and you know that was that. Gotcha. Well, hey, it's been, what, seven, eight years that you and I have worked together, and we've actually technically never met face-to-face. That's true. We never have. I'm ho- I, Hopefully. I was hoping you could <laughs> make it up to Max this year. Yeah, well, yeah, the jury, you know, you never know. Um, yeah, so I guess, tell me about Max. The, you're, you're definitely speaking there at this point, right? We know that. Yes, it has been confirmed. I am speaking at Max. I actually have a date. Let me see, not like a relationship date, but uh, October 6th. At 2.30 p.m. in room 501A, most people who listen to this are probably not going to Max, but I will be delivering a session on Photoshop shortcuts for web and app design. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds cool. See, I do have a date, and it's with this hot woman called Photoshop. Mm. I, don't, I, don't know that, I don't know if it's at room 501. It actually <laughs> adds a whole different level of creepiness to that. Um, but anyway, so Adobe Max, that sounds really cool. Um, I've actually never been to an Adobe Max before. I've never been to Neither an Adobe Neither have Max. I, so I'm I've in never, for a treat. <laughs> I've never been to a WWDC. I've never been to any of these big tech events. I usually sit and watch them be streamed. Um, but you're, you also have another Photoshop Lightroom meetup there in Colorado you're doing recently, if I recall correctly, which should be I, like your first. Yeah, on Tuesday, I believe. It's my first like somewhat big presentation I'll be giving at some library in Boulder um, a talk on Photoshop and Lightroom and how those two applications can work together and so far it looks like 15 people have signed up so expect about five like yeah but <laughs> traditionally but it, that's a good little group though you know what I mean it is I'm kind of excited for it traditionally it looks like I'm looking at the past events they get between eight well I guess five to ten people and 
15 are signed up now. So, you know, it's it's a decent-sized crowd. Nice. Yeah, I mean, if you expect five, you won't be disappointed. And a 15 show up, it'll be like, sweet. And it kind of prepares me for max, which I'm looking right now is... Yeah, what, 500 many more, people Many more people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so moving on to news now that we're beyond all that stuff. Uh, Windows 10. Windows 10. Hmm. Uh, it actually sort of came out a few days ago. Um, but definitely between the recording of the past pod, the last podcast and this podcast, you if you are a current customer or owner, I guess I should say, of a legitimate copy of Windows 7 or Windows 8, uh, you can download Windows 10 right now for free. That is July of 2015. Um, I don't know. I, I With any kind of software, even with like iOS uh, updates, everything, I just like to give it a few weeks. Um, and with a major operating system, I think like a few months is more or less in the cards, so to speak. Um, from what I've seen, I haven't tested Windows 10, but everything I've seen, I've watched some reviews. I've read a bunch of reviews on it. Windows 10 is much, much faster than its predecessors. It snaps, it jumps, it's super quick. Uh, it's got Cortana built in, which is like Microsoft's um, like Siri on steroids. I would almost refer to it as like Google Now. Almost you could mm-hmm. think of it as, you know, you punch in uh, like a lot of voice recognition stuff. You can basically type, you know, stuff you want to search on the web right into uh, like your search bar, um, things like that. That's really, really cool and seems to improve speed. Uh, what I don't like is um, it all looks like Bing is the primary uh search or the default search. I don't know if there's a way to change that to Google. I really don't like Bing. I don't I actually don't have anything against Bing necessarily, but I'm so in my comfort zone with Google search that I it would honestly would kill using the whole feature for me. I wouldn't even use voice activated search if I knew it was going to search Bing. There's not that trust. There's not that that dislike you've got me, you know, the bull by the horns Google. I feel like Google has their stuff together and Microsoft has a bit of a history of not having their stuff together. Um, so that's that. Uh, from the look of it, Windows 10 is a much, much nicer looking operating system. It's way f- just fresher, sleeker, more cutting edge, a bit flatter, um, still a little boxy. It just it doesn't have it doesn't have the prettiness of an Apple UI. It, and uh, even with Apple going, you know, all flat, what was it with the iOS 7 um, and with their later or their latest, excuse me, OSs, it doesn't have that pretty factor. It doesn't have that, that I don't, I, with Apple, you get the, the sense that there's attention paid to aesthetic detail. With Microsoft, you kind of are like, yeah, the interns slapped this together. And there's still a little bit of that, but it's much, much nicer than like Windows 8. Windows 8 was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> Um, it, like there wasn't even a start menu. The start menu has returned to uh, to Windows 10, which is very nice. I know my my mom and my dad both got new laptops and they had Windows 8 on it uh, on both laptops, and they were just like, "What's this newfangled technology?" I mean, they're not that old, but you know, I actually they- used Windows 8. Uh, was it? It was last week in, in Los Angeles. We had to print out our tickets for VidCon. So in our hotel, we went to the printing center and they had Windows 8 installed, and it was the most confusing experience it's I have ever awful. had with the computer. I was looking for a start menu, then I was looking to access the internet. It was just so confusing. And then right. somehow Microsoft PowerPoint popped up, so I closed that, but it switched back over to the traditional experience and I tried to get back to the tiled experience it was just like what who thought of this right it's so it was so different with not nearly enough explanation when it came out that it just it just never took it never caught on I still honestly 
I still don't know how to use it. I haven't, I've, I've stuck with Windows 7 with my primary machine here, which is a Windows machine. Um, I, I would not upgrade to Windows 8. I'll consider Windows 10, but honestly, I think by the time I'm comfortable doing that, I'm just going to be fully switched over to Mac and I won't be using Windows at all anymore. Um, so, you know, but it still is, it's a big change and it looks like they have. I mean, I've joked around a bit about them saying we finally got it right, but it does seem like doing a lot of stuff really nicely. Um, but yeah, Windows 8, but we can probably chalk that up to basically what amounts to a failed Microsoft experiment, uh, one in the list of many. Uh, let's see. Oh, Windows also allows for multiple desktops, which is something I believe, hasn't that been on the Mac OS for quite some time where you can have the multiple, like a working mode with multiple desktops, very easy oh, to yeah. flip between many, them. many years, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, it seems a little clunky to get to like you have to click a button there's got to be a hotkey for it um and oh, i don't know what it be. is but it, right now there's like a button down in the taskbar and you go click it and then it like slides off to the side of the window it seems a little bit clunky but like i said there's got to be a faster way to use it uh but then again we are dealing with microsoft so maybe not uh gaming support i know a lot of gaming happens on microsoft machines uh, the vast majority i would say uh and newer games should be quite a bit faster thanks to the fact that the windows 10 is really built around this DirectX 12 framework which is going to allow uh, the developers of newer games to better utilize the cpu and i guess ram speed as well through that uh of your system so basically the game is going to be able to call out and transmit information or make requests to the cpu something like four times faster i think i heard three to four times faster like it should be a lot faster you're not really going to see it in your current games um but you will see it allegedly in newer games and you can also now just connect your xbox straight up via wi-fi to your computer so i would imagine it's been quite some time that you can plug a, a uh, like a gaming controller maybe an xbox 360 or 720 or whatever uh xbox one <laughs> uh controller into your computer and just you know it's going to be like having you know your xbox sitting in front of you just it's on your computer screen so that's i guess kind of cool if you're doing a lot of the gaming stuff there is also a messaging app now which looks it looks like a Windows-ified, you know, like Windows flat Metro style Apple messaging app, but it looks like it only connects to Skype. Uh, mm. I haven't seen anything to the contrary of that. Uh, I can't confirm that though. All I've seen it working with is Skype and everything I've read about it talks about this link with Skype, which is super disappointing. I I virtually never use Skype anymore. I use Google Plus for all of my inter-computer communication. Other than that, if I'm sending messages, I, am I, what am I texting with my mother on Skype? You know what I mean? Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know, my, my grandmother, she's barely used to texting on a phone. She won't even allow a computer in the house. I'm, I'm supposed to introduce to a computer and video chatting and then say, oh, don't use Skype for the video chatting. Just use it for the chatting part so I can use my Windows Messenger. If, if Windows Messenger is just connected to Skype, it's going to be a failure. Mark my words, it's going to be a failure. Uh, what else? Microsoft says they're working to ensure the OS is much more efficient and lends itself to better battery life. Right now, it's still it's there's really no improvement over like Windows 8.1. Um, so, but allegedly they're working on that. Uh, but the perform the the despite that, excuse me, the performance does seem to have taken a noted step forward. 
However, <laughs> there's never a Microsoft release without a big however. Um, over on fstoppers.com, great photography website for you photo, uh, photographers and visual uh, motion graphic kind of, or, or I guess just motion picture kind of folks. Uh, Lee Morris, one of the guys that runs the site, po basically posted an article a few days ago explaining how to install Windows 10 and what to expect and all that good stuff. And then he followed through that and he's posted a part two and just... Basically, it's been a train wreck for him. Um, there's been all kinds of stuff uh, installing and uninstalling itself. Uh, Cortana doesn't work. Uh, buttons are out of place or disappearing and then reappearing. He's getting just getting like a dialog box that'll pop up in the middle of his screen that, that no joke, this is all it says, something went wrong. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and something that, has it. happened or something. Or yeah, yeah, right. Something. It's something very, just very ambiguous and just like, well, that's helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? No error code, nothing, uh, no, nothing from which you're going to uh, get any kind of useful information. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he reported stuff, you know, that what didn't work and he'd leave the computer overnight and then all of a sudden it would work again the next morning. Uh, you know, scrolling was only working in Google Chrome. Uh, but nowhere else in the browser. So it's just very weird little things like that, but then all of a sudden it was fixing itself, um, things like that. The big question for me is basically application compatibility. I, I would never upgrade uh, to a new operating system without full assurance that like Adobe CC is going to run and is going to run well in it. Um, so I don't know. Like I said, with an OS, I'm going to give it a few months, even if that means, because right now it is free, it's a totally free upgrade for Windows 7 and 8 folks. If, it, if I wait four months and then uh, if Microsoft says, hey, it's 80 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever to upgrade, that's fine. I would rather pay the $80 and upgrade then than put my computer through, you know, hell and lose three days troubleshooting and working on my computer when I could slash should be working. Um, now, there's a great article over on Wired. I'm going to have it linked in the article for this tutorial, tutvid.com slash wegeeks slash episode 25. You can go check that out, and it's got everything from how to install uh, Windows 10 to a little bit of just kind of, uh, I don't know, some of the info about uh, the new operating system as well. Yeah, it looks quite interesting. I've seen several reviews of Windows 10, and it seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag, but for the most part, it seems pretty positive. I think David Pogue did a review, and he kind of showed all the improvements of Windows 10 over Windows 8 and Windows 7, and it seems like Microsoft has finally realized that, you know, they screwed up pretty heavily with Windows 8. Windows 7 wasn't that great. Vista, eh, but... It, Windows 10 definitely seems like an operating system I would use if I was a Windows user. And I do use Windows on occasion. I'll have to boot into Bootcamp or Parallels because I have to use a specific application or so, something like that. But it's nice to see that they're finally starting to improve all this stuff. And they do have their new Edge browser, which yeah. is being... Re being replaced by, or I guess replacing Internet Explorer, which has had such a bad name over the last, well, several hundred years or something like that. <laughs> since I mean, forever. web developer Since forever, yeah, really. So I think they've realized that they have to get rid of the whole Internet Explorer thing. Mm -hmm. And now they have Edge, which is incredibly fast. And it's finally up to date. I, I believe it's up to date with all the, the, the technology, the CSS and HTML and stuff like that. The big problem has been in the past, well, I mean... The, the problem other than the fact that some users are still using Internet Explorer 6, but it just, you know, web developers hate developing for 
Internet Explorer because so much doesn't work. I mean, it just is not compatible with websites that are de designed specifically for Chrome or Firefox or whatever it might be. But it seems like now it'll if you design a website, it'll it should look proper in Edge. Yeah, I certainly hope that it, it runs on a very similar model. If we can just get all the browsers to kind of pull together. Um, nobody really cares. Well, not, I shouldn't say that. None of the users really care what your backend uh, interpolating systems and you know, as far as they're concerned, it's all magic. Uh, but the magic is broken when the website looks horrific because then they just have a website that doesn't work. There is interesting. Interestingly, I agree with you. The Explorer name had to go. Edge. Yeah. It's it's something new, um, and I know. Despite the fact that it is a Microsoft product, I already am looking upon it slightly favorably just because it has a new name. If it was just Internet Explorer version 15 or whatever they're up to now, I would be like, yeah, same crap. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm not, totally. even gonna, not even going to give it the time of day. Even um, if they said they built it from the ground up, just the name just yep. gives it a, a bad name. The name and like that death e gel you know what i mean it's just like ugh. the whole the whole thing is just it's it's just bad 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 it reeks of 1998 and mm -hmm. that's about when it was cutting edge uh there is however in the edge browser there is a button view this in internet explorer i don't know who clicks that button but it's there so there's still parents will click right it. there still is like the remnant of the bygone era but yeah when we talk about Windows 10 writing the wrongs of Windows 8, I think the biggest feature of that, and I intentionally didn't mention it before, is Windows Edge, which does not write the wrongs of Windows 8, but rather writes wrongs from a much, much long... Uh, what am I saying? It, it writes the wrongs of a much greater time period by getting rid of Internet Explorer and introducing a new browser. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And just to wrap this this Microsoft thing up, as if if you follow me on any social network or you just know me personally, you know I'm a huge Apple fanboy. Oh yeah. And it's mostly because you know it just works for what I do for a living, and I've just been using it for so long. I've just, I'm just used to it. And Microsoft, as you all know, has been. Just, I don't know what was going on with Microsoft for the past bunch of years, but over the last year, it really seems like they're finally figuring out what direction they should go in with their gaming systems and PCs, Windows, that the new HoloLens thing looks absolutely fantastic. Whatever happened within Microsoft in the last year or two, I don't know if it was after Steve Ballmer left, but it seems like they're finally on the path to success. At least I hope so, because I, I I might actually get a PC at some point within the near future, specifically for gaming. And the fact that Windows 10, one, works and is user-friendly, and two, integrates a lot with gaming and is really much more user-friendly for and if, gamers. And if you have your Xbox, the fact that you could link it right, you know, it basically could become your gaming system. Right. More than, a, even than, a, more than just a computing device, but yeah. Yeah, like you were saying earlier with DirectX, DirectX 12, which that's a, sounds that's a like... Different, that's a different service. <laughs> <laughs> but. Whoops. Um, but it sounds like a lot what Apple's doing with Metal. But the thing with yes. um, OS 10 is it's not really gaming friendly. I mean, it might be at some point in the future, but if you're a gamer, you still need to go for a PC. But yeah. it really sounds like they're 
Microsoft's improving that even more. So I'm, it's really refreshing to see Microsoft making the right moves finally. It's taken them a while. They've had some rough years, but you know, it's 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 nice to see it. Yeah, and and just one micro thing to add to that, they've they've. So, well, they say over the past 24 hours, they've already rolled out somewhere between 10 and 15 million copies of Windows 10 already. So oh, I lot, believe it. Lot, yeah, a lot All of those poor souls it. with Windows 8 on their computer, <laughs> right. they were sitting there refreshing to see when the update was available. Even if the update was kind of botched and not working, it's still better than Windows well, 8. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, <laughs> take it away. So this this is kind of cool. This There's this city. I don't know if you've heard of this. I mean, you've heard of this, Nathaniel, because you put the article in here. But some of the, our listeners may not hear. We've talked a little bit about self-driving cars in past episodes, which is really interesting to me because we always, you know, driving right now, we see these like very elderly people on the road driving very terribly. And the first thing that comes out of their, our mouth, these, this person should not be driving. And the cool thing about self-driving cars is when you and I are that age, no one's going to say that anymore because our cars will just drive themselves. But in order to get to that point, these cars have to be tested. And it's very difficult to test this technology on roads with people who are actually driving because as we've seen, some Google cars have gotten into accidents. It wasn't the fault of the Google car. Yeah, and it's, but hard, it's hard to rage against a dummy driver. <laughs> it really is. But actually, one of the recent accidents, they actually released the video, or at least the, the sensors or whatever it was, and you can see the Google car stopped at the red light just like it would, and some idiot probably texting behind it slammed right into it. But anyway, the point is, these cars have to be tested. Not only the cars itself, but the technology within it. So... There was, there was a, what's it called? It's a part government, part academic, part commercial partnership hmm, with University of Michigan Mobility Transformation Center. That's a mouthful. Yeah. They created a 32-acre city in the middle of Michigan. I think it's Ann Arbor, Michigan. And its sole purpose is to test these self-driving cars. And it's going to have, it's going to partner up with companies like Ford, Nissan, Honda, General Motors, and Toyota, and I think Verizon as well, and some other companies that are building the technology that goes in the cars. And it's basically going to test for everything, roundabouts, stop signs, people walking. It's going to test as much as it possibly can to get these cars ready to put on the road, which some states and some cities are allowing, as we've seen with the Google cars. But there's so much that needs to go into these cars, especially for, for companies like Toyota, who doesn't have a self-driving car, they have to test these things. So it's right. it's kind of cool to see this massive city built specifically for these cars. Yeah, and seeing something like this being built really, in my mind, when you start seeing names like Ford, Nissan, Honda, GM, Toyota, etc., 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 being thrown around in conjunction with a self-driving car it really kind of brings the whole thing home, right? It's not just a concept in Popular Mechanics magazine anymore. It's not just Google, you know, pushing some crazy technology out there, which, which I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of stuff that Google puts out there where you're like, I mean, I kind of believe in it because it's Google, but it, it still seems a little far-fetched. And I remember the yeah. first time I saw the self-driving car, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then I think it was Tesla that had the car that really had a lot of like self-driving type features as far as like automatic braking and, and things like that. You can set it to automatically accelerate and slow down and things like that. Um, and we had talked about that and just what that might mean for self-driving cars in general. 
so this is really cool, um, just as far as that's concerned. So I'll, I'll definitely be watching this. Um, and what was I going to say? What else was I going to say? Oh, uh, I, I guess I would be interested to see two things. I'd be interested to see how these cars work on roads that don't have lines painted on them. You know, how does it find its place on the road and maintain that? Because I would imagine there's some kind of visual technology, I think. Yeah. Um, maybe laser range finding. I don't know what it is, but there's got to be some way for them to determine where the edge of the road is and maintain both the safe distance from the edge of the road, but also safe distance from oncoming traffic. So that I would, I would imagine that's going to be something they're sorting out. Like you said, they've got the roundabouts, all kinds of different turns, pedestrians, yada, yada, yada. Um, but also it's cool to think that anytime there's a car accident, if you have a bunch of these self-driving cars are going to have cameras and sensors and essentially the car is going to have the black box mm-hmm. you will know who is at fault 100% of the time i would well probably. i mean maybe not 100% of the time but probably like 99% of the time uh, because you'll be able to oh no you you your vehicle accelerated before you know xyz but who's to blame you know what i mean when when a self-driving car goes haywire and an, and an accident uh, ends up happening who's to blame do you know what I mean? That's a good question. Because there's know. no there's no driver fault anymore. It's you know my computer crashed and we killed somebody. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Really. Well, hopefully we get to the point where that just doesn't happen. But I mean, when we're dealing with technology, things will happen. But I, I I'd imagine at that point it would be such a rare situation when we're when everyone's driving self-driving cars or at least sitting inside of self-driving cars but it's interesting you brought up when you first heard about google's self-driving car i remember when i first heard about it i i told myself this is cool but we're not going to see these things on the road or at least people in them for you know 15 20 30 years and now they're actually on the road and i think these companies like Honda and GM and Nissan are realizing this, that it's not just a fad that one or two people are going to do. This is the future of transportation. And not only these little cars will be having self-driving features, but also massive trucks are also, I think in Germany, they have an actual truck that drives itself. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. The future doesn't seem to lie in flying saucers, but rather self-driving cars. Well, maybe that's the next uh, flying cars. Maybe the next thing. I don't well, know if yeah. they're all self flying. True. That I blew my nephew's mind one time showing him a YouTube video. Of, you know, one of those those cars with the wings that fold in. And oh yes, I've seen that. You're flying. Anyway, moving on. Canon has a new camera called the M E twenty F dash S H camera. Name? Yeah. Well, it's definitely geared toward like very professional <laughs> type folks. Um, so this Canon, it. it I believe it is strictly a video camera. Um, sort of. It has a two megapixel image camera, which right. no one's going to use. But yeah, exactly. it's mainly for video. Um, so it's primarily video. It doesn't shoot 4K. It shoots up to <laughs> 60 frame per second, 1080p HD video. The uh, I don't think the goal for this camera was to shoot 4K. I mean, you can't even... No. Uh, well, I mean, let me just get through the spectrum. Basically, the calling card of the camera is it has ISO that goes up to 4 million. Um, mm. and, and it, it's interesting how it does that because you would look at that and think, whoa, that's going to look like snow. You know what I mean? That's going to be a very unusable image, but it's very different the way the sensor works. Um, it basically has, it, it's a big sensor and the sensor has, um, pixels that are just bigger than what you have in your average DSLR camera. So it's really interesting. I, when I, I, I think this came out yesterday or the, like it got the news dropped yesterday I believe it was that this was there uh, this was coming out it it looks like a camera that is going to be uh, pushed toward 
professionals. Um, obviously, again, it doesn't have like a cutesy name or anything. Um, but furthermore, it's thirty thousand um, dollars. So I would say it's going to be something that is uh, that you would use for surveillance. Surveillance was actually the first thing that I thought, and then when I yep. looked into it and and looked at some reviews, other people had mentioned nature and wildlife photography, which totally makes sense. Uh, poor Cecil the lion; they probably wish they had something there to monitor him, as far as camera was concerned. Not going to get into that here, though. Um, but it, it's it's really really cool i saw like a um a, a an image that was essentially pitch black and then zoomed to what would be the equivalent of four million iso and it's gonna be pretty cool i mean over i mean just to like compare with the sony a7 a7R2, I can't remember what it is, just the A7II, whatever it was. The the Sony camera that we just talked about, 4K video, the whole nine yards got like four to 400,000 ISO or something. This is three and a half stops of additional light that uh, 4 million ISO would allow you to pull into the camera, which is huge. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really, really interesting. I kind of wish it had 4K, even if it was essentially unusable 4K because of the 4 million ISO, you could at least scale it back to 1080p and you would think that would help with grain and just the way that renders. I don't know. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something about how the sensor is working. That I think would be kind of cool. It also doesn't just record to like a compact flash card or a CFast card in the camera. You need to buy an additional recorder. Uh, like just some external recorder for the camera. I know Atomos does a bunch of recorders and things like that for uh, basically off-camera recording. You can plug an SSD drive right into it or a traditional hard drive, but SSD is really the way to go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it looks like a really interesting camera. Um, obviously, at $30,000, Howard, not something you or I would be picking up, but the technology's there. Um, I... I don't really know what to think about it. It seems very bizarre that kind of out of the blue, Canon drops something that it's not like, hey, we've got a killer focusing system. We finally have a camera that has 4K. Uh, <laughs> we finally have amazing dynamic range. None of that. They're just like, we got ISO and we got it by the bucket loads. It, not to say that ISO is not important, but it just seems like a very um, – I don't know. It just seems like, like like they're just like everyone's in right field partying and Canon's like, I'm out here in left field and it's great, you know? So I don't really know. I mean, I know it's not a DSLR, um, but it just, I don't know. It, it, it just seems very like, what? Who's going to use this? What is it for? Um, I don't know. Should you, I, I, should you really look at a camera and not know who it's for or what you're supposed to do with it, let alone the fact that it's $30,000 and you still need to build everything onto it? Uh, I understand 4 million ISO, but, I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confused. I saw this, I think it was this morning, I saw this article come out, and it, it almost seems like a bunch of Canon executives were in a room, they were very drunk, and they were saying... Let, let's release a, a consumer-grade camera with 4K, and then one person says, no, 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 no. Let's release a camera with 4 million ISO. It'll right. be amazing. Yeah. And for some reason, they went with that. I for, mean, For it, the record, just, they should periscope their drunk board meetings if they do that. That would be hilarious. Yeah, and here we are waiting for a consumer-grade 4K camera, and, you know, Sony comes out with, the, I mean, not Sony. Canon. Canon. I might switch over to Sony. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But Canon comes out with this and it just kind of leaves us all. But the nice thing about it is it does put the technology there. So even though now this 
4 million ISO thing is $30,000 in five or 10 years, it's very possible that not only will it show up in consumer grade DSLRs, maybe by that time they'll have 4K video in those DSLRs, but it might also show up in our phones, which sounds crazy, but I mean, that's just the way things happen. You get this very expensive technology and eventually over time, they figure out how to make it smaller and smaller and smaller and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So it'll get there, but it's it's weird. I wonder if you could do a selfie in bed at night in a dark bedroom at 4 million ISO and still be able to duck face to the entire world. Hold on. I'm going to call American Express and see if I can up my limit. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to try it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anyway, so Nokia or yeah, Nokia. I bet you haven't heard that name. See, I, I misread it when I first saw it. Bet you haven't heard that name in quite some time. Sounds like hearing Kodak. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. Um, it looks like they're coming out with a 360-degree camera um, and officially entering the virtual reality market. And just side note, I did see something, I think it was on The Verge earlier this week, that Mark Zuckerberg says that obviously virtual reality is the future that Facebook is going to move into. I have no obviously. idea. I have no idea what that means, or how Facebook would do that, or what exactly he's referring to. Um, but hey, obviously that's the case. Anyway, Nokia is coming out with this um, virtual reality camera called Ozo. Ozo. It's an interesting name. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. They don't have much detail of Ozo, but it's this really cool looking spherical. If you've ever used a blue snowball microphone it kind of looks like that like that little ball at the top but instead of just a microphone it has eight stereoscopic stereoscopic 3d lenses and sensors and eight spatial audio microphones which is crazy but you know with with everything going on in the vr world and the i, I mean on youtube now you can watch 360 degree videos even if you don't have any sort of VR equipment, you can kind of just use your mouse and scroll around it, or I guess swipe or pan or whatever you do. Yep. So it's really cool to see even Nokia getting into this game. Will it succeed? I don't know. I think it really will come down to the price because there are so many companies now who's getting into this VR game and coming out with these cameras, GoPro and uh, other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. But in terms of aesthetics, it actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, I, that's, I did think that as well because the GoPro, I forget what it was called. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Was it, it the Jump? Uh, yeah, it might have been the Jump. It was something like that. It was one That was word. the rig, I think. I don't know. Um, well, it was it was like a rig, right? That was a circular yep. rig with a bajillion cameras you stuck into it, and it looked kind of funky. This almost, I don't know, this looks kind of cool. It's like a little just thing you can grab a hold of and throw up in the air, and I don't know. It, I don't know. It just looked kind of cool. Yeah, like you said, there's not really much about it. I would love to know how much it costs. Um, but yeah, there's nothing like that that's really out on it, but looks pretty cool. I'd love to see it examples does. of the video and see how great it is because that's the one thing, all the virtual reality stuff I've seen. I don't know if it's just the way you have to compress to upload it, but the quality kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're, you know, if I'm just missing something on my end, but I'm, it, it seems kind of on the crappier end of things. Uh, anyway, I saw moving on to something totally different. Um, there was an article this week on Petapixel about this guy, uh, Chuck Jines, or Chuck Yines, who's a Chicago street photographer who does these workshop classes. And somebody shot a video of him while he was doing one of his classes, I'm assuming one of his students, where he's teaching this group of people how to do street photography. And he basically 
it's 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 very bizarre. He sort of is walking down the street and he singles out this girl who's like texting on her phone and he's like, "Yeah, see, watch watch what I'll do this girl." And he goes over and he like squats right in front of her and like she she moves her phone and she looks at him, but he turns his camera away and he has it turned away as if he's photographing like one of the buildings there. So, you know, she lifts her phone back up assuming that he's just some tourist or something taking a photo of this building, and as soon as she, you know, puts the phone back up and she's immersed in the phone, bam, he swings the camera around and starts taking photos of her. And then just to show his class how good he is at this, like he lays down on the ground in front of her and like, you know, rolls over and shoots photos up at her that way and like all oh, that's just like different positions and stuff like that. And then at the end of it he does like this weird dance thing to get her attention and they start laughing um and it's just a very odd interchange part of me is super impressed because i mean it looks pretty cool it, it it's kind of so impressive that you almost wonder if he paid this girl standing there because she's just that clueless that he's taking her photo um but then there's another part of me that kind of it seems kind of creepy um so i don't i mean i don't know what to think about it i'm not sure i would like somebody photographing me that way but i also don't think somebody would be able to get away doing that to me do you know what i mean but that i mean that could be the you know the whole thing with like somebody picking your pocket as well where if you see it happening you're like how can you not feel that somebody's picking your pocket but if it happens to you you have no idea it happened so maybe it's something like that uh but i don't know i mean i don't really know what to think about the video um yeah, there's a, like I said, the part of me thinks it's just super creepy, and maybe it's just like he's just this middle-aged dude, you know, wearing a bandana, kind of looking a little skeevy, and he's, you know, photographing this girl who's, I don't know, 17, 18, um, maybe it's that, uh, or is it just kind of super impressive that he can do that and, you know, be just so smooth and suave about it that you just kind of, you know, roll over, get up, do like, you know, this little crouching tiger, splitting, dra spitting, splitting dragon, whatever, uh, yoga move, and all of a sudden the girl sees you and just like, oh, what are you doing? And then you just have a good laugh and walk away. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this whole story, too. It's very strange. I think this guy definitely needs one of these new Canon 4 million ISO cameras because that'll just take his creepy street photography to the next level. He could do I it mean, in the middle of the night. He really can. I, I, I mean, I really don't have much feeling about this story. It's just so strange. I, what's the point? Yeah. I don't know. I, I have no yeah, answer for that. Nope, none at all. <laughs> So we're going to move straight on from this story because this is just way too strange. Nathaniel, I think you talked last week about a little bit about drones and anti-drones and things like that, being able to stop drones. and Yeah. What, and you mentioned San Bernardino as well, right? Yeah, I mentioned the fires. I mean, particularly was that for the footage of the fires crossing the road that seemed to be the really polarizing shot where it lit some people's cars on fire. Um, and then the fact that helicopters couldn't get in the air because there were several drones in the air. And I even heard earlier this week that several drones chased helicopters away. So, I mean, it yeah. seems to be a, it's a crazy story. It was very weird. And actually, Michelle and I were watching this live because it was such a big fire. And like you said, this fire was actually crossing the highway and it pretty much put a halt to everything. And some of the cars started to catch on fire and started to burn. And what was really strange and very new about this story is that firefighters were trying to put out the fire like they've like they always do in whenever this sort of situation happens but people started to fly their drones basically over top of these fires over the top of the highway and it got in the way of the firefighters and the the planes that drop all this water from actually doing their drop their job so what 
was it uh, San Bernardino County board members are now offering three $25,000 rewards to anybody who can help identify the pilots who are flying these drones. So if you happen to know which idiots were flying these drones, getting in the way of firefighters trying to save lives, hit up San Bernardino County. You can possibly get some, some cash from it. But if, you, if you're a drone person, which I have nothing against, I love drones, don't do something stupid like fly it in the middle of a rescue where people are trying to save lives and you know people's lives were literally at risk in this situation and these drones were stopping these firefighters from doing their job which is just so it's so sad but i think i think going forward they basically said that if any sort of drone or any any of these devices gets in the way they're just going to knock it down and if you know if it costs you $2000 too bad you're costing people's lives yeah i mean i have to say when i first saw this i was just like I mean, number one, how big were these drones? If it's one of the big metal drones, like those big eight, you know, propeller behemoths flying through the air, I, I can understand that could do some serious damage to aircraft. But like a stupid DJI plasticky something, just smack the thing out of the way. You know, so what? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? If you're if you're dumb enough to to fly up there and get in the way of what they're trying to do, um, just you know, so what? Um, but still, you know, don't wreck drones. For the rest of the responsible population that are uh, that won't do dumb stuff like this, that's what's annoying about a story like this. Um, the, the fact that you know I, I I sit here so often and I say keep the government out of stuff like this, let people behave responsibly, and then people do this. You know what I mean? When there's minimal government regulation on who can fly a drone, what the kind of licensing or approval you need to fly a drone. And people take drones up and they do dumb stuff like this. Um, so that's really annoying. And it and it's it's it just, I don't know. It's very irresponsible. It's very stupid. It, it is. So. Um, so last story of the week before we get into our winners and losers is actually something that I'm kind of excited about. As you know from past episodes, I'm a big space person. With all this stuff with Pluto going on, there's so many projects that NASA is running at, at any given time from different probes and different telescopes and things like that. But one of them is the Kepler uh, project that's out to specifically hunt down planets that could be similar to Earth. And NASA thinks and scientists thinks that there could be several billion of these planets in our uh, galaxy alone. And But recently, they discovered a new one called Four... And they call it, they basically just number them. It's 452-B, and it's about 1,400 light years away. And they're saying that this could be the closest Earth-like exoplanet that's been discovered to date. I'm sure they'll fi eventually find some that are a little bit closer. It's not perfect, but it's fairly close. It's about 60% larger than Earth. And the problem with that is that it would contain... It would create a gravitational pull that's at least twice what we're used to. So if, hypothetically speaking, we were to find a way to actually get to this planet, we would be very, very heavy. It would be very difficult to actually move around. Now, that's not to say that life couldn't evolve on a planet like that. But if we were to go there, it probably wouldn't be very pretty. And 
it does orbit approximately the same distance that Earth orbits from our sun. So it's, it's very likely that a planet like this could potentially have water, could potentially be rocky, could have life, but it's very difficult for us to really find out. We'll never actually know, at least not in our lifetime. And with the current telescopes now, there really isn't a way to detect any of this stuff. There are future telescopes that are in production now, like the James Webb Telescope, that will, is actually able to detect biosignatures, so it's able to figure out if there could potentially be water by looking at plumes and all this stuff. That Again, sounds like one really geeky telescope. <laughs> oh, it, it really is. I'm super excited for this one. It's launching in 2018, possibly 2017, but most likely 2018. Um, but it's, it's super exciting. And then combine that with Stephen Hawking's announcement that they're putting $100, uh, $100 million dollars to ramp up the search for life outside of our own planet. They're looking for very specific signals from a very specific part of the universe. It, that stuff really, it's, it's, who was it? Arthur C. Clarke said, what was that quote he said? There are two possibilities, either we're alone in the universe or we're not alone and both are equally as terrifying. Right. And just to think that our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy, has about 100 billion or more than 100 billion stars and there are several billion galaxies. I mean, if you do the math, it's it's kind of crazy to think that either we are alone or we're not alone. But you know, that stuff kind of excites me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, a couple things. I, I'll believe that there is another Earth or other life out there when I see it. Um, right. Exactly. I, it. It just. You know, I mean, Earth is central to everything um, and always has been as long as I've ever been alive. Um, So it would take a lot for me to to believe that there's life on some other planet. That being said, I do kind of wonder what this term Earth-like exoplanet means. Exo typically would refer to the outer shell of something, like an exoskeleton. Um, So I wonder if that means that they think there's an atmosphere uh, or if it's just that the terrain is similar well, they do think there, that there's an atmosphere based on the distance where it's kind of like right. in the Goldilocks area of the that that solar system. But I believe exoplanet in astronomy terms is basically a planet that is outside of our solar system. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm not a complete space geek. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I completely agree with you. Until we actually receive any sort of signals or actually see life on other planets, it's very difficult to believe anything because anything to do with space is all theory and it's all predictions and speculation. And even though we may see a little bit of a glimpse of an atmosphere on another planet, it's, you know, who knows what's there. And we'll, I mean, for 1400 light years away, it would probably take us 90,000 years to get there. Here's how at, much with our technology. Here's how much of a dinosaur I am when it comes to space and, and this kind of science in particular. I still believe that the geocentric model is the correct one. That being that the sun is the center of the galaxy and, or I'm sorry, that the Earth is the center of the galaxy and that the sun <laughs> revolves around us. Um, nope. That's I, I really, really honestly believe it, and I've read a lot of stuff that, that kind of points in that direction. Um, but like I said, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert scientist. And, you know, I don't know. That, that's, that's where I stand when it comes to that kind of thing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we still have a lot to learn. Yeah, well... Yeah, we could, say, we could say that for us all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that'll do it for the news of the week. We're going to hop right into the winners and losers of the week. I do not have a quick six um, ready. I, we were kind of figuring out who was going which, and I'll get to that next week um, when things are a little bit more 
calmer. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll just hop right into the winners and losers of the week. The loser of the week, I think we can all agree, is this dentist in Minnesota. I'm going to keep this very short. Who went to, um, it was Africa, right? No, yes. where was it? Yeah, it was Africa, Zimbabwe. Yeah. And he killed Cecil or Cecile the lion. This is it's very famous lion over there. And apparently it was he, he bribed some of the Zimbabweans over there to to lure the lion out. But I mean, wh- whether you whether you're for hunting for sport or you're not, that's just to me it's just a it's a lo- very low thing to do. Especially considering he paid about $50,000 to make that. Yeah, no, I heard that, um, and I'm with you, this is my loser of the week as well. Um, Oh, there you go. And I'm, I'm, you know, a very red-blooded, red-meat-eating kind of American guy. Mm -hmm. I've never really been into hunting, um, but if you're hunting, you know, and then eating what you hunt, I get it. And there is, and if you understand ecosystem balance, there is a necessity for hunters um, I mean, just there there are natural predators, right? Um, and and the the Homo sapien is a natural predator um, in general. Um, but anyway, that's 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 a much more I guess I don't know that's that, that's a different issue. But anyway, when it comes to trophy hunting, um, cool, yes, um, you know, for the idea that like I could have a lion head hanging on my wall. But when it comes to like the ethical question of is it right to kill for the sake of killing? You know what I mean? I'm taking no real tangible good from this i'm not i'm not even taking the skin for crying out loud i'm just killing so i can tell my friends like hey man look i killed this lion okay impressive um sort of but you know like what's the point um and and yeah i I don't know i I do have a problem with trophy killing in general i just think it's I, i i don't know i don't view it as a necessarily or I don't really view it as something that's very ethical. I'll put it to you that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, the story I heard is that they killed like an elk or an antelope or something outside of the park, dragged it or maybe killed it in the park, tied it to the back of their Jeep, baited this thing out of the park um, where he shot it with his bow and arrow and didn't kill it right away. So they then had to track it. And the two Zimbabweans, they ended up actually killing the lion. They basically just beheaded the thing and left the carcass there. They tried to destroy the GPS tracker, everything like that. So I mean, they knew they they made a big uh oh when they did it. If they if they hadn't realized before that you know they were, I mean, obviously you know you're doing something if you're baiting something out of a national park. So they knew something was going on that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, but um, if there was any question when they killed the thing and then realized it was GPS tagged and everything, then they had to have been like, oh yeah, we kind of uh yeah we screwed this one up. Um, but you know I yeah I. If, I mean, it can be a it can be a beetle. You know what I mean? If you're just trophy killing for trophy killing, I don't even care. There was a beloved line. In fact, I heard a story that said most locals didn't even know what the big deal was. Um, they were more or less prosecuting in terms of like illegal hunting, which, by the way, the guy has gotten in trouble for before in the United States. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it seems like he has a little bit of an issue with hunting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 messed up. Um, but honestly, I look at it like there's 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 much bigger problem. I mean, ISIS right now is training kids to behead other people as well. That's fairly important, yep. you know. Um, but I, I understand it's an easy thing to get outraged about. Um, and like I think it's something that you know you can have a legitimate outrage about because you know it's trophy killing. Like again, like why? You know what I mean? You killed this, this amazing animal, um, and and you're just you're leaving it there. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> what else can you say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, so it's good that we're on the same page. Now, my winner of the week actually comes from Philadelphia, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Oh, I'm not exactly this. sure you saw this. I'm not exactly sure who I'm going to pin this on, but there was this this little boy. His name is Zion Harvey. And he's an eight-year-old boy, quadruple amputee for most of his life. He lost both hands and both feet to a septic infection as a baby. And recently, he actually went through the very first double hand transplant. Which and sounds kind of creepy, if you ask me. It does sound... He's, he's now has somebody else's hands. Um, I would assume it would be somebody else who passed away around his age, which is... It's creepy. But... The, there was a team of like 10 doctors or, or no, no, 40 medical doctors over 10 hours and they put these hands on. And what's really cool about this is they're not just, the hands aren't just yeah. there. They actually work. They, I saw a video the very first time when the blood started flowing and you can see the color start coming to these yeah. hands and it is so cool. I, I love it's this. Insane. You know, in addition to the whole space stuff, I love the medical advances that we're able to, I mean, I think it was what 30, 40 years ago, heart transplants weren't even even a thing. And there was a point where they they said, We're not doing any more heart transplants because they're too dangerous. This is never gonna happen. Well, it's never gonna be possible. And, you know, they did one successful one. They learned from their mistakes, and there were many mistakes, but it, now we're at the point where hands are being transplanted and who knows yeah, what Yeah, it's else. pretty wild. Hey, this kid was there at the hospital when my nephew was at Children's Hospital Philadelphia. Oh, really? Um, I, no, I never met the kid, but on the videos mm-hmm. and everything, he's got a great personality. Like he's like a little pistol. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really, really cool to see something like this. And just, yeah, like you said, amazing watching the video and like the doc. Oh, looks like the doctors were getting excited. You know what I mean? As they're seeing like the blood flowing in and, and it's starting to like twitch and move a little bit. The yeah. one thing, and I, because my, I was, I was watching this with my mom the other night. Um, the one thing that seemed a little weird was when his mother's like walking him out to the press podium he's not in a chair or anything like that and he's got these two huge bandages around his wrist and i like i said to my mom i was over at my parents house I was like, what if he trips and falls nobody is there to catch him that's and, a, that's a good point the first thing you do is put your hands out right I just right. thought, like, you, this kid, of all the people that should be in a wheelchair, I would think somebody like him should be in a wheelchair right now. That's a good point, because in the video, you can see he was trying to scratch his face, and he didn't even know how to do that action, because it's going to take, you know, months and months and months for him to learn how to use hands, because he's never really done yeah, it before. And, and that's a very good point. If he would have fallen, right. what would ha- would have happened? Right, would, like, this hand to fall. I mean, I remember my dad telling me a story. One of his cousins uh, was missing an arm, and she had a false arm, but he didn't know that as a little kid. And one day, they were playing Ring Around the Rosie or something, and he popped her fake arm Ooh. off. And, you know, like, scared the daylights out of him because he didn't know what in the world he did. You know, I mean, just imagine, like, a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, you pull your cousin's arm off, you're going to be thinking, what the heck is this? That, that I, That's how you develop trust issues. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, but it is wild to see the advances and everything that can be done. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing I thought about. And then, yeah, the rehab, cause you see videos of him like picking up blocks with his wrists before right. he had hands. So now, you know, how many times you're going to poke yourself in the eye accidentally thinking you're just going to like brush your hair aside or something like that. But super cool. Definitely a valid winner of the week. It's going to make mine just look dumb. Um, earlier this week, uh, a guy off the coast of Florida 
stumbled upon this shipwreck. Uh, he owns this company called Queen's Jewels LLC, which has salvaging rights to this particular fleet of 11 Spanish ships that was sunk off the coast of Florida on July 31st of 1715. Um, and the Spanish were known for, I mean, they were looking for gold in Central America, around Florida, you know, all around the Gulf Coast. Um, and... Uh, he, he was videotaping as he discovered this $1 million in gold coins and chains uh, from the Spanish ship. And you can hear him through the water just going like, yeah, whoa, this is crazy. And he was shaking and, you know, everything like that, trying to like pull these coins out and show them to the camera and everything. Pretty neat. Um, like I always, I always feel like I say I'm going to include video for something like this in the, in the, uh, blog post and I always feel like I forget to, but I'm really going to try to remember to include this, uh, in the, in the blog post this week, as I will do with the chop video as well. The children's hospital of Pennsylvania with the kid with hands, uh, <laughs> and just <laughs> the kid, yeah, with the hands. kid now who has hands, but it's really cool. I mean, it's just a little, you know, minute and a half long video and it's pretty stinking neat. Um, just to like capture that moment it's kind of like hey i'll be right back i'm uh i'm going to buy myself a wetsuit and i'm gonna go diving right now you know what i mean um so yeah i don't know it's pretty it's pretty neat just to see the moment that he discovers this stuff and just like it almost like puts you in the mindset of you know i've always wanted to learn how to scuba dive and get underwater um so just you know swimming around and you stumble into something like this it would be absolutely insane Oh, it would be. And it's one of those things that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This guy will probably never in his life stumble across anything like this. And it's one reason that I really love these wearable technologies. And even though it probably wasn't a wearable, that he was probably just holding a camera. No, I mean, it, I, it, both the, his hands are there. It looked like it was like a GoPro, like on his shoulder or his head or something. Oh, there yeah. you Yes. I mean, GoPro or Google Glass or whatever it might be, these... It allows you to really experience it and you don't have to worry about holding things or positioning your camera somewhere. You just pop it on your face or pop it on your head and you can actually, you know, immerse yourself in that experience, which is so yep. cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Pretty stinking neat. But yeah, so I guess that'll just about wrap it up for this week. This has been episode number 25 of the We Geeks podcast. If you love the podcast, make sure to share it with all of your friends. Share it with your grandparents. Share it with your newborns. Yeah, newborns. Know. Give them something to fall asleep Yeah, to. newborns are, yeah, they're great listeners. They don't really have anywhere to go. Um, I, one thing I have noticed, typically newborns, I always tell my brother and sister on this when they have a new kid, newborns have two states, either asleep or getting ready to fall asleep. That's it. You will never see a newborn <laughs> in in any other condition than that. It was the only two ways. So yeah, very. They'll just sit there and they'll listen, and they got they got nowhere to go. Um, so they're great targets to uh, to lay the podcast up to. Also, we're looking for reviews on iTunes. So if you listen to the podcast, like we said, don't just be a consumer. Go take. 30 seconds or a minute either leave a comment on soundcloud drop a review on itunes any one of those things is super cool um and we greatly appreciate it it's awesome the audience has just gotten better and better and better as we've built this podcast um and it looks like it's moving in a really exciting direction so that's all really awesome stuff it is and if you are stinking rich or an avid starbucks drinker head over to patreon.com slash we geeks and tip us a dollar or three dollars a month and we will love to give you a shout out and give you a shout out every single week which is awesome and hopefully by next week i might have an exciting announcement maybe cool we'll see all right well that'll just about do it for this episode guys i'll see you later see ya